Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, Genesis uh, 37. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account, not the story, the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He had worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Billah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. How many of you were that kid in your family? Uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph a beautiful robe. Some translations call it a robe of many colors, a coat of many colors. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And his brothers responded uh, with, I imagine, some words that weren't printed in the Bible. Uh, So you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it because it went so well the first time. Hey, listen, I've had another dream. And he said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before mine and before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He said, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Lord, I pray your blessing over our time together in your word, and I pray that you help us to hear what it is you're speaking and know what it is you're saying to us today, and most importantly of all, not that we accumulate knowledge, not that we just learn something today. I pray that you give us the courage and the strength to apply it in our lives, that we're doers of your word and not just hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the most frequent ways that God is uh, sort of introduced or identified in the body or in the Bible is as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, They are three of the main patriarchs of the Jewish faith. Joseph is Jacob's son. He's he's number 11 out of 12. Uh, And he is as much as anybody responsible for the formation of the nation of Israel. It's the actions of Joseph that set the stage for Moses to rise and lead the massive and powerful nation of Israel uh, into their destiny in the promised land. So it's not, it's not a stretch to consider Joseph one of the patriarchs. And so uh, today we're going to talk about him as such as we continue this series that, that we're calling Patriarchs, Prophets, and Priests. So Joseph, full confession here, is one of my favorite 
uh, people in the Bible to, to read about and to study about. It was, uh, his was truly a remarkable life and, and one that I think speaks to anybody who truly wants to find and fulfill God's purpose in their lives. And I will ask this question and, and ask a, a silent, for a silent response, but are you truly interested in finding and fulfilling God's will in your life? Is that something that you want for yourself? And if it is, then I think today's message will, will uh, encourage you and help you. So there are a lot of ways to study Joseph and to, uh, to understand a lot of things about him. But today I want us just to see three big picture, um, big, big picture takeaways uh, that I believe will encourage us in our pursuit of following Jesus. Now in the scripture that we just read, the writer who is Moses, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, uh, Moses included a little bit of foreshadowing here. So Joseph had these two dreams about his future. And in both the dreams, he's in the center with his family surrounding him, bowing down to him in reverential deference. Uh, the implication's pretty clear, that God was going to, or at least he believed that God was going to bring him to a position of such prominence that even his family would honor him. Now, the Bible doesn't uh, explicitly state why Joseph decided to share his dreams with his brothers. Um, who hated the ground he walked on, but perhaps he was innocent and naive. Perhaps he was precocious and arrogant. Or maybe it was some weird adolescent man-child combination of both motives. We don't really know. But whatever the reason, it will become clear in the following chapters that these were not just dreams of Joseph's imagination, but they were prophetic and indeed were God's will for his life. Now, some of you are crystal clear about the, the thing or the things that God is calling you to. Uh, some of you are maybe a little less clear, but you are taking it one step at a time as you walk in the direction that you sense God is leading you. Uh, still, others of you don't, don't know, but you're walking in faith, believing that there is a divine purpose for you and, and really praying that God would reveal that to you. And then there are still others of you who have not yet accepted that when you were crafted by God in your mother's womb, and especially when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you were given a divine purpose to fulfill. Something that God built you for. Something that God called you to. It's, it's not always to be a king or a queen. So don't send your resumes to Buckingham Palace. As far as I know, they've got that handled, okay? So you're okay. Some, some callings may change the world, and other callings may just change one life. But we all have a calling. You say, John, I don't know what it is that God wants me to do. Well, Andy Stanley from North Point Church in Atlanta says, says this. He says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do. It may be someone you raise. So don't miss what God's doing in your life just because he, you've got him in your little box. God is fully capable of, of a calling that you haven't even seen yet. He is fully capable of, 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 of doing something in your life that you may not think it looks the way it's supposed to, but you're going to be right in the center of God's will as you do it. So whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I want to show you these three things from the life of Joseph today. 
that I hope will encourage you. So today's message is called Joseph, Unstoppable Servant. Unstoppable Servant. Now here's the first thing. Nothing can stop you from fulfilling God's destiny in your life. Nothing can stop you from fulfilling God's destiny in your life. That would have been a great place for you to say, Amen. And that was pretty sad. So maybe you just don't know. So maybe you're all, we're all in the right place. Let me tell you the condensed version of Joseph's life so that you can understand. It, it's really difficult. You can't just grab something out of the life of Joseph because it all is sort of this tapestry that runs together. So you have to understand it all in one place. Now, we already established that Joseph's brothers hated him. He was a tattletale. He was the favorite. He was ruggedly handsome. He, and, and now, apparently, because of these dreams, he was destined to rule over them. And his brothers, for them, it was just, he, it was just too much to take. They were just done with him. So in the verses following those dreams that we just read, the brothers conspire to kill Joseph. I don't know why I'm laughing. That's awful. But they conspire. But y'all know you've thought about that too. They conspired to kill their little brother, and then they decided, eh, we'll just feel guilty about it. See, they didn't mind killing him. They're just like, nah, we'll just be guilty about that. So let's just throw him in a pit. And he'll die on his own. That would be less guilt for them somehow. And then they said, no, we'll just sell him into slavery. Here happens to be some people. We'll sell him to them. So, I mean, that is some serious sibling rival. You think you got family issues. That's some family issues right there. All right? So from there, he gets sold to the captain of the palace guard in Egypt. The man's name is Potiphar. And he is basically the head of the secret service for Pharaoh. He's personal protection detail for the king of Egypt and the palace that he lives in. So there are very few more trusted positions in the entire kingdom of Egypt. Now, Joseph arrived in Egypt somewhere between 1600 and 1800 B.C., just to put it in its place in history. At this point, the pyramids of Giza, the great pyramids, have already been standing for five or six hundred years. All right. So the power and the prestige of Egypt are already high on the world stage. And Joseph is serving the man who protects Pharaoh. Now, so in the mind of Joseph, he's got to be thinking, maybe this is how it's going to happen. Maybe because I'm the servant of the man who protects the king, maybe this is how I'm going to come, to, I'm going to come into my position of power somehow. Well, then Potiphar's wife gets in the way. Now, if history and culture are any indication, Potiphar's wife is an astoundingly, astoundingly beautiful woman. And the Bible says that Joseph is handsome and well-built. So she's a cougar. Let's just break it down. She's a cougar, and Joseph is her prey. And so she began... Now, why are y'all laughing? We are some seriously messed up people in this place. We should, good thing we're in church. So... She starts to pursue and seduce him, engaging in what today we would call sexual harassment. Joseph refuses her advances, and gets and she gets so offended, like Shakespeare was right about a woman scorned, right? She gets so offended by the rejection that she accuses him falsely of rape. So though he is completely innocent, Joseph gets thrown into prison. Now, it would be hard to think of a place further away from the halls of power than the dungeon of the prison. So God, even in prison, God blessed Joseph. 
Um, he interpreted a dream for one of the fellow, his fellow inmates who happened to be the king's cup bearer. So Joseph thinks maybe this is the way. Maybe he's got to be thinking this. Maybe this is the way out of the prison and into the palace once again. So the man, this man uh, in his previous position literally stood beside the Pharaoh every day. And, and he would taste the wine for the king before the king ate it. That way, if it was, or drank it, that way, if it was poisoned, then he'd die and not the Pharaoh. How's that for a job description? So that, but somehow he had made the king mad, which it doesn't, someone with that much power, it doesn't take much to displease him. So he threw, he threw him in prison, but Joseph told him, according to the dream, according to the interpretation God gave him, you're going to be out, you're going to be restored to, to the Pharaoh's good graces in three days. And he says, listen, when you get out, please remember me, mention me to your buddy Pharaoh so that I can get uh, pardoned and released from this place. And as soon as he's released, the cupbearer forgets about Joseph entirely. Two years later pass. Uh, two years go by, and 13 years after he was sold into slavery, Pharaoh has a dream. And then the cupbearer remembers Joseph. So Joseph's called from the prison, interprets the dream for Pharaoh, and in Pharaoh's dream, it showed seven years of abundant crops followed by seven years of severe drought and famine. Joseph interpreted the dream, suggested to Pharaoh a plan so that Pharaoh could, uh, could save Egypt during the famine. So he, would, uh, he, he told the Pharaoh what he needed to do, and Pharaoh said, well, it sounds like you need to be the guy to make it happen. So Pharaoh put him in a position that he only answered to Pharaoh. He was the second man in charge in all of Egypt. And so now he was in a position where people would literally bow before him and his authority. Now, I'll finish the story in just a minute. But his dream had come to pass. Now, here's what I'd like for you to notice uh, about this today. When you set out in pursuit of God's destiny and plan for you, nothing can stop you from fulfilling that destiny. You are unstoppable in your pursuit of God's plan in your life. It doesn't matter if you have family problems. It doesn't matter if you've been harassed or exploited by other people. It doesn't matter if you've served time in prison. It doesn't matter if you've been naive or if you've been an arrogant little brat. It doesn't matter if you were considered the lowest rung of the social ladder. It doesn't matter if you had setbacks or roadblocks or detours. None of that is a surprise to God, and it's not an obstacle for Him. He is not intimidated by your past. He, he's not impressed by your credentials. He doesn't need your ability. He simply needs your availability. He doesn't need your wisdom. He just needs you to learn the lessons He's teaching you along the way. God doesn't need your strength. He needs your weakness. He, he doesn't need you to climb your way to the top because He will exalt you in due season when it's time. You, in your pursuit of God's destiny, are unstoppable. Listen, don't get discouraged if where you are doesn't seem to be lining up with where you, you sense God's taking you. It's okay. You've got no idea what his plans are or the path that he's going to use to get you there. Just keep believing and stay faithful. I've discovered, 
in, in 30 years of ministry and 50 whatever years, almost 50 years of serving God is that he apparently doesn't like straight lines. Have y'all noticed that? Dude likes to take the scenic route everywhere he goes. It's like my daddy. Like We'll get there eventually, but I'm going to look at some pretty country while we're going. Well, that's great, but it takes three hours your way and 30 minutes on the interstate. Could we just go? Apparently not. Apparently not. Listen, Revelation 3 and 7 says that Jesus opens doors that no man can close. And he closes doors that no man can open. In other words, God is in charge of your opportunities, not anybody else. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for you, who can be against you? You might think the whole world's against me. That's okay. God's on your side. So you win. You win. Listen, Jesus doesn't need permission from your family or from your past, from your rap sheet, from your resume, from your abuser, from your accuser, or anything or anybody else to bring you into your destiny. God is God all by himself, and nothing is too hard for him. So you just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Stay strong. Follow him and let him lead you to the purpose for which you were created. Nothing can stop you from fulfilling God's destiny. You're unstoppable as long as you keep going. Now, here's the a, here's a second thing. Um, if you, if you want to lead, learn to serve. If you want to lead, learn to serve. Joseph was destined to be a leader, a great leader of a great nation. His dreams made that clear to everybody around him. Uh, and that's what made his brothers so mad. If it had been completely ridiculous, then it wouldn't have made them so mad. They'd have just laughed at it and dismissed it as a foolish kid. But something about it rang true, and that's what ate at them so much. Joseph was destined for great things. So how did God decide to teach a man to lead? By teaching him to serve. If you want to lead, learn how to serve. It seems completely counterintuitive uh, in our culture, but that's the ways of the Lord. Almost everything about following Jesus is upside down from the world's way. Let me show you what Jesus said. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Jesus called them together, the disciples together, and he said this, because they were all arguing about who was going to be the greatest, and, and Jesus said, you know the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Y'all seen that, right? But among you, Jesus said, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, listen guys, I'm not trying to teach you the ways of the world. I'm trying to break that stuff off of you. What I'm doing is different. And if you're going to lead what I'm doing, then you're going to have to do it like I'm doing it. Jesus said, I'm the son of God. And even I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So follow my example. Follow my example. See, I don't care what God's calling you to do. 
the way to get through the way to get there is through serving. You have to learn to serve other people. Leadership in the kingdom of God isn't positional. It's it's personal. Why? Because the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, isn't in buildings and institutions. The kingdom of God, he said, is in people. You can't make people follow Jesus. And you can't make people follow you to Jesus. But if you serve people and love people, then you can lead people. They'll give you their hearts before they give you their hands. Now, in order for Joseph to learn to be the leader that an entire nation of foreigners would follow, God put him into a 13-year leadership program. He took a a privileged little brat who was his daddy's favorite, and he made him a slave. He served so well that Potiphar put him in charge of everything in his house. He even trusted him with his finances. Joseph served with faithfulness and integrity a man who bought him. And it wasn't just eye service. He didn't just do a good job while Potiphar was watching because most likely Potiphar wasn't around a whole lot. He didn't just serve when he was being watched. He, He served when he could have taken advantage of Potiphar. Who do you have the opportunity to serve? In your life. Your boss. (laughs) Don't say those things in church. Your boss. The the people you work for. The people you work with. Your family. Listen, if God can't trust you to lead, uh, to serve, he won't trust you to lead. Let me say it again because I messed it up. If God can't trust you to serve, he won't trust you to lead. How did, let, me, let me tell you how Jesus put it. Luke chapter 16, 16, verse 10. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities either. That's the words of Jesus. People say, when's God going to bless me with more? And his answer is, when you're faithful with less. When's God going to bless me to lead when he can trust you to serve? Joseph was unstoppable because he was following the Lord's leading to his destiny, but he had to learn to be a servant first. He served even when he went to prison. He served the warden. He served the other inmates. Everybody around Joseph was blessed because he was a servant. You say, John, but I I hate my job. It's like a prison. For real? Is it really like a prison? Because Joseph really was in prison and he still found a way to serve he's like John uh, I hate everybody (laughs) at my job learn to serve learn to serve serve the boss serve the people around you the words this y'all ready y'all ready for this the words that ain't my job should never fall from the lips of a servant of God John, but what if someone takes advantage of me? Ladies and gentlemen, please listen. Someone will take advantage of you. And when they do, your true leadership potential will then be revealed. 
Leadership guru John Maxwell says, you have to give up to go up. Everybody thinks leadership is about getting more privileges. It's really just about getting more responsibility and giving up more privileges. Leadership's not about what you get. It's about what you're willing to give up. So, John, what's my leadership potential? Well, I don't know. It depends on your pain threshold. Because if, you if you're not willing to suffer for what you believe God's calling you to lead, then your, your, your leadership threshold is not going to be very high. When you're a leader, people will take advantage of you. They'll try you, they'll test you, they'll stretch you to your breaking point. If you can't learn to serve beyond your natural capacity, then you're never going to make it as a leader. I mean, well, let's, let's look at it this way. Think about parenting. Do you just stop when the kids get on your nerves? <laughs> like, do you just go lock yourself in the room? <laughs> do, do, you, do you just quit? When they ask for one more thing and you're, oh, you've already reached your limit? When they need five more minutes of your attention and you're already exhausted? That's when you realize that leading is about serving. It's about serving. John, how'd you learn to, to, to pastor and lead a church? By learning to serve. You say, well, aren't you, aren't you glad you're the top dog now so you ain't got to serve anymore? Listen. <laughs> listen, Linda, listen. The, 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 positions, the positions of divine diva and pastoral princess are not actual spiritual offices. Okay? Spiritual leadership is about serving the people you lead. And if you're too high and mighty to serve them, then pretty soon you're going to be too far away to lead them. Don't trust a shepherd who doesn't smell like sheep. Aspiring leaders should take a page out of Joseph's life and learn to lead, to learn to serve. Joseph's an unstoppable servant. Now, we've got one last thing to talk about, but I want to do a little checkup right here before we move on. Do you really, and you don't have to tell me out loud, do you really believe you're unstoppable if you're pursuing God? Do you really believe that you can serve others in some capacity? Here's a great question. How would your life be different if you really believed that you were unstoppable? This is, it's not about your power. It's not about your strength. It's about surrendering your life to Jesus and getting in relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. Let me show you two scriptures that will blow your mind. Philippians 2, we talked about this last week. I want you to see it again. For God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Who's doing the work? God is in you to do what? To change your mind, to change your desires, to change what you want, and to give you the power to carry out those things that he's doing in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, let's talk about that power. Ephesians 3, verse 19, Paul's praying. It's one of his, uh, I think, three pastoral prayers in Ephesians. He says, may you experience the love of God, though it's too great to understand fully. 
Then, once you understand the love of God, you'll be made complete or mature with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The power that's working in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Now, verse 20, let's, let's talk about that. Now, all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. The King James calls it exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or even think. Did you see the incredible promise that he has there? God's power is working in us to, to give us the desire and the power to do what he's called us to do. And God's power is given to us just because he loves us, not because we're worthy, not because we're special, just because he's special. And that power that's working in us can accomplish infinitely more than we can ask for or even imagine. Are you a believer this morning? Are you a believer? If you are a believer, then His power is working in you. The question is, are you on the brakes? Or have you put it in neutral and let Him drive? You like, what if I put it in drive and help Him? Please don't help Him. <laughs> Just put it in neutral. He'll take it from there. When we surrender our lives to Jesus and we operate in His love, you become an unstoppable servant like Joseph was. Not the same call, but the same power of God. How would that change your life if you really believed it? Now, here's the last thing. God's will includes you, but it's not about you. I'm going to say that again for the people in, in the front and the back. God's will includes you, but it's not about you. Genesis 45, let's read this. This is uh, part of the end of the story. Joseph, so Joseph's brothers come uh, to get food, and they, they find Joseph. And Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. So Joseph kind of messed with them for a little while because he could. And Joseph couldn't stand it any longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to all his attendants, Get out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. He broke down and he wept. He wept so loud the Egyptians could hear him, and, and word of it carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Like when you think you killed somebody. You expect them to be dead. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Look at this. This verse will blow your mind. Don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Can we just read that sentence one more time? Don't be upset or angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that's ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there's going to be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive 
and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he's the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. Joseph had grown so much through these times of testing and preparation. You remember the dreams that Joseph, that God gave Joseph? The famine had extended into Canaan, and his whole family was about to starve. So when his brothers came to buy food, they all bowed down to Joseph. And though the Bible doesn't state it explicitly or share that a particular account, clearly his parents honored him in his new position as well. But here's the important part of this, of this part of the story. Joseph recognized something in his 30s that he didn't understand when he was a teenager. Insert your own joke there. God's plan was never really about advancing or blessing Joseph. It was about saving the nation of Israel. From his father and his brothers and him came the nation of Israel. And eventually, Jesus the Messiah. Had they not been able to get food from from Egypt, they would have died in that famine. Joseph said, don't beat yourself up about selling me into slavery. It was God's plan to position me right here to save all of you. We've got to learn that there is always a bigger kingdom purpose in what we go through. God's plan always includes you, but it is not about you. John, I don't want to serve in kids ministry. Okay, I get that. But somebody was the Sunday school teacher for Billy Graham. How about the return on that investment? You think that was worth it? Do you you think it was all about how much fun that teacher was going to have in teaching those little babies? It's not about you. John, why should I use my people skills to to give out first-time guest bags? That's beneath my place in life. I'm a businessman. I'm a salesperson. I don't have time for the petty kind of stuff like that. Really? Well, who is it that gave you that ability? Who is it that allowed you to use those that skill set to make a good living? Listen, it's not always about you. God's plan is not so short-sighted that it's just about making you successful. It's always about placing you in the best position that you can be for His honor, for His glory, and for His purposes. Listen, what's the kingdom potential of the gifts that you've been given? Like, Stop and take an inventory of your blessings, of your position, of where you are, the influence that you have. What's the kingdom potential of the, of the blessings you've been given? What's the kingdom legacy that you're uniquely positioned to leave. Joseph endured a whole lot, and then he worked hard in the position that he he achieved or that he was given to make sure his family and all of Egypt was safe during the famine. It's a legacy of life. What was Joseph's legacy? He gave life to his family and to all of Egypt. A pastor friend of mine says, when you give, people live. And I like that. So I have some questions for you. Will you give your time to the kingdom? Will you give your talent to the kingdom? 
Will you give of your treasure to advance the kingdom of God? Whatever it is you have, he, He's glad and He wants to bless you with it, but it's not for you. We're not all destined for the palace, but every one of us has something that we can do for the kingdom. Don't waste your life pursuing selfish things. See the bigger picture. God's plan for your life includes you, but it's not about you. And it is an honor, it is a privilege to serve in the kingdom of God. It's, it's, a, it's an honor that you didn't earn. So don't get offended that it's not about you. You have no right I have no right to even be in the presence of God except for what Christ did for us on the cross. So the very fact that we get to be a part, that He claims us as His own and gives us His name, that's honor enough, that's blessing enough that we spend the rest of our lives serving Him. Everything in the life of a believer is about Him. So they've already sung it today during worship. Are you ready to surrender everything to Him in your life? Listen, with a kingdom mindset and a servant's heart, you're an unstoppable force for good on this earth and for making a difference in eternity. So here's a question I want to ask you today. It's been however long it's been, 40, 45 minutes. Do you believe it now? Do you believe that nothing can stop you from pursuing and accomplishing God's will and destiny in your life? Do you believe it now? Because what you believe now is going to affect how you live tomorrow and for the rest of your life. It's not, this, is, this is not an emotional deal. Not about to, we're not trying to whip you up into some emotional froth so that we can talk about what a great time we had in church. This is a core foundational belief of your life. Do you believe that God gives you the power to do what He's called you to do and that He has called you to do it? If you believe those two things, that changes the rest of your life. It changes the decisions you make. It changes the, 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 the direction of your life. So I just want you to do a heart check today and, and see if you really believe it. Y'all stand with me, please. So I had just a little bit of time this morning after I got ready and went out, sat on the front porch. And first thing that popped into my mind, I was thinking about the service and thinking about the message and first thing that popped into my mind today was, God, I feel very stoppable right now. I don't know if you, do you have stoppable days in your life where you're like, Lord, I don't even need somebody to stop me. Like, I'm self-stoppable. We all have those days. The good news is that how you feel in any particular moment doesn't change the spiritual reality. Okay? Like, do you always feel saved? I don't always feel saved. It doesn't mean I'm not saved. 
right? It does, your feeling in any given moment doesn't change the spiritual reality in which you live. You are unstoppable because God said you are. You do have the power because God said you did, and He's the power, and He doesn't fail. So you have to sort of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you have to look in the mirror and say, you are unstoppable because God is unstoppable. You have to get to work because God's kingdom needs to advance, and it advances through people. So today, if you feel stoppable, then why don't you come and let's just pray with you. Let's just pray that, that you will begin to seal and to, to, to see and to sense the spiritual reality in which you operate. Maybe you're just like, John, I don't know. I look around. I don't really see any ministry opportunities around me. Do you see people? Well, if you see people, there's your ministry opportunity. Like, well, I ain't no preacher. Good. Don't preach to them. Serve them. Because if you preach, they're not going to listen to you because that's weird. Serve them. Serve. And that opens their hearts. Okay? So wherever it is you find yourself, whatever point you find yourself on that continuum, just let's pray today that God gets us where we need to be and helps us understand what we need to understand to carry out His will. We're going, they're going to sing. We're going to pray. You can come to this altar and pray about anything that's going on in your life. Not just about this message. You may have a decision that you have to make. You may have a physical need, a, a spiritual need. Whatever it is going on in your life, you can come and pray about it now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would bless your people as they come to this altar to pray. And those who are, who are doing business with you right where they are, either in their seats, where they are at home, whatever it is, God, we just pray that you would speak to them and that you empower all of us and help us to recognize the power that you've placed inside of us that it does exceedingly, abundantly more than we can even imagine. Lord, get the glory from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.